Hey everyone, uh, my name is Cam Nelson. Uh, I'm, as you probably guess, I'm a freshman. Uh, I go to Arlington High School. And uh, tonight, I am hoping that I can share a little bit something with y'all. Uh, tonight, I wanted to start out by asking a question. Uh, in your life and in your walk, whether sharing the gospel or just to yourself, have you ever asked the question, why does God let bad things happen to good people? In my life, I've always asked this question, and it was a big part whenever people came up to me, they were like, Cam, why, why does God let bad things happen to good people? And I never really was able to give them an answer. Um, a while back, Bellevue was holding a apologetics class. Um, it was a great class. I highly recommend it um, if they do it again. It was taught by Rick Jones. Shout out to that amazing, godly man. And... Um, one night, we just so happened to be talking about that topic of if there's a God, why is there evil? So I wanted to come here tonight, and I wanted to tell y'all uh, kind of what I learned, what I studied, and what the Bible says about it. Uh, my title for tonight is, If There's a God, Why Is There Evil? Uh, whenever I was trying to think about what passage I wanted to read out of, I figured it would be best to start in the beginning. So I will be reading out of Genesis 3, 1 through 20. Uh, most of you all know that story. It's a very popular one. It's about the fall of man. And um, so Satan comes to Eve. Uh, Casey just read it. Satan comes to Eve and says, hey, um, did God say you can't eat of this tree? And Eve was like, yeah, God said that we can't do that. And uh, Satan was like, well, but God, what God doesn't want you to know is that really you'd be more like him in that scenario, you would know, like, you would know the difference between good and evil. Um, so she does. She, she takes and she eats, and she gives some to her husband, Adam, and they hear God coming, and they feel so ashamed about what they've done that they hide. Uh, if you take notes, you should uh, have the points there. I'm going to have five points for tonight. Point number one is, why did it happen? Why did Eve sin in the first place. Uh, I'm going to read again uh, what Casey read just a minute ago. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. What do we see here? We see that Satan first puts the idea that God is untrustworthy into Eve's head. He gives her the first choice that we see in the Bible, the choice to either believe God or to believe Satan. Uh, God gave her everything she ever could have wanted, a place to stay, the food that she could eat, a great husband. And you might ask, why? Why did she do this? Because that is the gift that God has given to us. He gave us the gift of choosing. God loved us so much that he gave us the gift of free will. He wanted people who truly loved him. He didn't want us to just say that we loved him because um, that was the only choice. So God gave Eve a choice, a choice to sin or not to sin. Before we go any further, I think it's very important to discuss sin and the idea of sin and kind of where it comes from. So that brings me to the second point. How is their sin? 
Uh, I'm going to read now verses 16 through 13. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized that they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made covering for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? He answered, I, urge, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, The woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit of, from the tree, and I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me, and I ate. If you were to go to Google right now and look up the definition of sin, here's what you would get. An immoral act considered to be a transgression against divine law. So who made that divine law? God, right? So without that divine law, we cannot have sin. Without the standard of good that God gave us in our lives, we cannot have sin. The biblical definition of sin is to miss that standard or to miss the mark. Think of it like this. Most people know what archery is and kind of the idea of archery. The goal of archery is to hit the center or the bullseye. So think of God's law as that bullseye. If you were to shoot an arrow and hit anything except the bullseye, that would be missing the mark. Let's say you took away that bullseye. And you took away everything outside of that circle, and you just had a random target that you were shooting at. You would never know how good you were doing. You would have no goal. With no point of reference, you don't know if you've hit the mark or hit the bullseye. It's the same with God's law. Without his law, we would be shooting, at arrow, we should be shooting arrows at a target with no bullseye. We'd have no way of knowing what was good or what was bad. That bullseye is the perfection that God expects from us. So we shoot and we try for that perfection, but we will never hit it because we are imperfect. Going back to Adam and Eve, um, let's look at where uh, that, first, that tree first comes into place. In Genesis 2, 8 and 9, it says, Now the Lord God had planted a tree, uh, had planted a garden in the east in Eden, and there he put the man he had formed. The Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Skipping down a little bit to verses 15 through 17. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, You are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. From the beginning, God gave us in Adam and Eve that standard of good. Eat any tree you want to, except for this specific one. Now, you've got to think, well, why did God do this? Well, that's a great question, and that's why I'm going to talk about it. That is point number three. Why did God give us the choice of sin? If God knew that we were always going to sin, why did he give us the option in the first place? Because of his love. We know about God's love. We see it so many times in the, in the Bible. One of the biggest uh, illustrations of this is John 3.16. It's pretty famous. I'm going to read it for you again, though. Uh, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. So he gave us his son, which was a, a great gift. 
but he also gave us the choice, the choice to love him. God didn't want robots who said, we love you, because that was the only option. God didn't give us the illusion of a choice. Picture it like this. So your parents come to you, and they say, hey, would you like some candy? Obviously, you say yes, because everybody loves candy. And so they say, okay, choose a hand and try and pick the candy. So you pick that candy, and you, you get it. And later on, you find out that in the other hand was the same piece of candy. That's the illusion of choice. That's not what God does. God says, hey, would you like some candy or some love, some of my love? And he holds his hand out, but he doesn't, he doesn't hide it. He says, here's this candy. And then he holds his other hand out and he says, or you can not, you can choose to not choose my love. Love is the reason that God does everything. Every decision he makes, everything he does is because of his love for us. I know what you're thinking. If God loves us so much, why can he still let these bad things happen? Well, that brings us to my fourth point of why does God let bad things happen? I've said it once, and I'm going to keep repeating it. It is because of his love. In his love, he gave us the free will and the, choose, and the free will to choose sin. And that sin has consequences. As we all know, we live in a sinful world. Um, and that world deserves the consequences of the sin that it creates and it has. So really to say that God lets bad things happen, that wouldn't be fully true. He permits bad things knowing there are consequences for the sin in our lives and in our world. Um, in Genesis 14, or 3, 14 through 19, it says, So the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and all wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. To the woman, he said, I will make your pains in childbearing very severe. With painful labor, you will give birth to children. Your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. To Adam, he said, because you listened to your wife and ate fruit from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat from it. Curses the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken. For the dust you are, and to dust you will return. Now, yes, he must punish our sin, but this does not mean that he doesn't care. Hebrews 14, 15 through 16, it says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us approach God's throne with grace and confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. God loves us all, but he is, just, but he is a just God. He must punish our sin. But he can use this punishment and this pain and this suffering to be good. Point number five, God can use pain and suffering for good. Uh, earlier on, I mentioned that I went to apologetics class led by Rick Jones. In that class, he gave us four points for the goodness of suffering, and I thought they were so good that I would share them with y'all. The first point, pain and suffering can make us stronger people, mentally, emotionally, and physically. Pain can mold and shape us into the person that God wants us to be. 
Yes, it can hurt, but it needs to. It is supposed to hurt. Without that pain, we would never move. We need the pain to shock our system so we know, okay, God is trying to do something. A way to think about it is, in your life, I've done this, you, you're putting your hand on the hot stove, one of the worst feelings ever, but you know immediately, as soon as your hand is on that stove, you pull it away. You get that shock of pain, and you move your hands. It's the same with the pain in our lives. God needs that shock of that pain to help us move in our life. Point number two, evil and suffering can turn our hearts to God. In times of hurt, we can look to God for comfort and for healing. God can use this pain, or yeah, can use pain to allow us to grow closer to him. When we go through suffering, God wants us to lean on him, no matter how big or how small the issue might be. We are to look to God for comfort and for healing in our lives. Point number three, God's glory can be displayed through suffering. It might sound a little backwards to think that his power can be shown through suffering, but it is true. John 9, 1 through 3 is a great example of this. As he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. God can use pain and suffering, whether uh, that came into our life or started in our life, to show his power. As Christians, we can also show God's power based on how we handle suffering. We can handle suffering very well, and our friends come to us and say, how, how in this time of hurt can you look to God and say that he, and still lift him up in your life? And you say, because I know my God has me. And this is how you can show his power through suffering. Or you can go the other way. You can hate God and you can uh, tear God down to your friends. And then they will, you can show them, or you would show them, that they were right all along and that God is not who he says he is. God can use people who are going through pain or went through pain to show others that God can help. Point number four, going through pain and suffering today can equip us to help others later. When we go through pain, we gain knowledge that nobody else knows anything about. And we can use that to come alongside someone who's going through the same thing and point them to God. No matter what it is, something big to something small, whether, you know, whether it's divorce or whether it's addiction, whether it's drinking, whether it's lust, whether it's anything, we can point them to God using the pain that he showed us. God uses pain to make us the best version of ourselves so we can carry out the plan that he has for our lives. In James 1, 2 through 4, it says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. When faced with suffering, always remember that God is with you and always holds you close to him. So you might still be thinking, well, you really haven't answered my question. So we're going to get back to that. 
So if there is a God, why is there evil? Because he loves us. God loves us so much that he permits bad things and he allows for us to choose. We can choose him or we can not choose him. Either way, he will still love us and use us for his plan. And when we go through suffering, we can turn to God and thank him. Thank him for the ability to, to grow and the growth that comes from suffering. I know that some of you might be thinking, well, you just don't know what it's like. You don't know what I've been through. And you would be right. I don't know. But I'm lucky enough to serve a God who does. I serve a God who comes alongside you in your pain, and he knows your pain, and he will lift you up and bring you through it. Yes. Amen. Um, in Deuteronomy 31.8, it says, The Lord himself goes before you, and he will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. He loves every single one of us. And he knows that, and, or we know that because of what he did. He sent his son down to die for us and make a way for us to have a relationship with him and to be with him in heaven. But as we all know, he did not stay there. Three days later, he rose from that grave and said, Death, you know what? You're just, you're, you're nothing, death. And he walked right out of that grave. If you believe in that with all of your heart and accept him into your life, he will always be with you and he will always bring you through the suffering that is guaranteed to happen in your life. He can be by your side forever and can help you through any pain and any suffering. Um, I've made it to the end of my notes and so I'm just going to kind of ramble on here for a second. Um, in our lives, we go through a lot of suffering, and I am lucky enough to worship a God who knows that suffering in our lives, and he will always be by your side. That's, that's the point that I want to get here. So God allows that evil in the world because he wants us to have that relationship with him. 